Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Now, in this show, we not only discuss the trials and tribulations fighters go through on their journey in the sport, but we often end up discussing their struggles afterwards. Today's edition will be no different. In boxing, we celebrate wars, but this time it's all too real. And I've no doubt our listeners' thoughts will be with those people fighting for their lives in Ukraine as they face an ongoing onslaught from Vladimir Putin's Russian forces. Yeah. Current world champions Alexander Usyk and Vasyl Lomachenko have joined the fight to defend their homeland from the enemy. And in Kyiv, Mayor Vitaly Klitschko and his brother Vladimir have taken up arms in a desperate bid to hold back the invaders. We're lucky enough to be joined today by a man who's promoted both heavyweight world champions during their successful careers. And he remains in contact with them now as they prepare for battle in the Ukrainian capital. Tom Loeffler, who you've recently signed Irish up-and-comer Callum Walsh to a 360 promotions company. Welcome to the show, Tom. Good to be with you, Kevin. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it's really uh, a challenging situation for uh, Vitaly and Vladimir over there in Ukraine. Really uh, challenging doesn't even describe it. It's really a uh, life and death for them right now. And for many of the brave Ukrainian people that are just trying to hold off uh, Putin out of their uh, out of their country and survive uh, over there. So it's been a lot of sleepless nights over here. It's um it's unfortunate that uh you know they're halfway across the world i feel helpless over here but um it's as long as they get uh as long as they get the weapons and the ammunition and support they need from the rest of the world then uh, they'll do the fighting themselves and there's so many other world champions there with usik is there and uh lomachenko's there uh, i work with another uh world-class uh, ukrainian fighter sergey bolachok he's over there so um their their struggle is real and um uh, it's uh it's tough uh, it's tough uh, going through it and just watching uh, watching it on the news you know yeah it's di- it's difficult to um talk about someone's boxing ability and fighting hard and kind of put it onto a war footing but what do you know like what do you know from working with the brothers about their backbone well if anyone can do it it's uh vladimir and uh, vitaly um you know, I have the utmost respect for both of them. Uh, they took on huge challenges in the ring. Vitaly had the famous fight with uh, Lennox Lewis, um, where his eye was all cut and bleeding, and uh, still he was winning the fight four rounds to two through the sixth round. And uh, he wanted to keep fighting. He was arguing with the referee. He wanted to keep fighting. The doctor uh, 
stopped the fight. Actually, the doctor stopped the fight on the cut in the in the mouth was bleeding. But anyway, um, it uh, uh, yeah, that just shows his heart and uh, you know and his determination and uh, you know just the will to fight for his country uh, over there as the mayor of Kiev. You know, both Vladimir Vitaly they they uh, were so successful in the ring and uh, saved all their money where they could uh, really live wherever they wanted to in retirement and uh, Vitaly chose to be to run for mayor in 2014 to uh, end some of the uh, corruption that uh, Ukraine was uh, noted for after the uh, after the Soviet Union and uh, really trying to westernize really try to westernize um, really try to westernize the city uh, uh, and the country and uh and and vladimir is uh, helping him 100 percent now especially especially with uh uh you know supporting his brother and taking up arms over there uh, in ukraine when did you begin working with the brothers i i met the brothers uh it's an interesting story i met the brothers actually i was managing their uh, an opponent uh, for Batali, uh ed mahone who was here from uh who was here from uh, Los Angeles? He was challenging for the uh, heavyweight championship of the world over in Germany, and um, you know that was in 1999. And um, I got involved with boxing through a close friend of mine. He had a sports agency that I was a partner partners with him uh, on, and and we were representing a lot of high profile retired athletes. Muhammad Ali being the the, the highest profile uh, of the group, and. Uh, uh, through Muhammad, uh, that's how we got into boxing. We signed a couple of active fighters. Kevin Kelly and Obakar were uh, the first fighters that we worked with. But um, I met Vitaly in 1999. And um, even though I was managing um, Ed, who he had knocked out in, in three rounds, I invited Vitaly if he ever wanted to come to Los Angeles and meet Ali, that uh, he was welcome to. And so sure enough, a few months later, he came and his wife was pregnant and they had the baby here in, in Los Angeles and, and he met Muhammad. And ever since then, we uh, developed a very, uh, very close friendship. Uh, and that was in 1999. And then by the time it came around, I'd stayed in contact with him for, uh, you know, the next uh, years. And then uh, in 2003 for the Lennox Lewis fight, um, they were in a contract with Universum uh, over in Germany. And um, after that fight, when he uh, then when Lennox vacated the title in 2004, I told Vitaly, you know, we should just start. We should start just start your own promotional company. That way uh, you you control your career. You uh, control your destiny in terms of opponents, TV stations, arenas, that type of thing. And and uh, he agreed with that. And then our, our first promotion with K2 was uh, in 2004 against Corey Sanders when he when Vitaly won the heavyweight championship of the world. And ever since then, uh, K2 promoted both Vladimir and Vitaly's fight. So uh, K2, we hold the record for the most heavyweight championship fights in uh, in this century, which I think is uh, is a huge uh, record. And now with, uh, with Usyk being with K2 Ukraine, I have a feeling that's going to continue uh, going for, for quite some time. Extend, extend the record. That's quite an introduction, all right, to... Uh... Bring him to Los Angeles to meet Muhammad Ali. Do you, yeah. What was that? What was that day like? It was amazing watching the uh, watching uh, you know a current heavyweight champion meeting uh, 
the greatest uh, heavyweight of all times. Uh, it was really fascinating, um, it, both for uh, Vladimir, but uh, I mean, for Vitaly, Vladimir uh, also met Ali. And there was a connection with Vladimir where Vladimir at the time was really big into magic tricks. And Muhammad was known for doing magic tricks and uh, showed Vladimir a few tricks. And then Vladimir showed Muhammad a few tricks. And so that was that was a great back and forth. And Vitaly just has immense respect for for uh, what what Ali, uh, you know, what he uh, represented and, and what he accomplished in the ring. So it was uh, it was definitely a highlight. And uh, the interesting thing, one of the highlights of my career was when uh, the WBC had their convention down in uh, Cancun, Mexico. And uh, uh, Muhammad was there with his wife, Lonnie, and uh, Jose Suleiman crowned uh, Muhammad Ali the king of boxing. And uh, I was there with Vitaly, and uh, and Vitaly actually was the one to put the crown on uh, on Ali's head, and uh, that was uh, that was just a tremendous moment. Just uh, watching watching that happen uh, was uh, really special down there. It seems to me that given the profile of the Klitschko brothers, um, because you know Vitaly uh, had his final fight ten years ago, actually in Moscow. And uh, his brother Vladimir boxed up until 2017 when he had right. that that big fight with uh, Anthony Joshua. And because of the kind of reputations that they have around the world, like you say, you know, putting a you know putting a crown onto Muhammad Ali, like that's the sort of company they they mixed in, and their reputations are are steely. Um, it seems to me that they could almost have as much of an effect on this situation of being away from Kiev as kind of PR people for their country. But they've chosen to take up arms. Are you surprised by that uh, decision? You know, some people say that, that they could be spokesmen outside of uh, Ukraine and, and try to rally uh, the international uh, countries um, to support Ukraine. But uh, I got to give them a lot of credit. Uh, Vitaly would never run away from a fight as the mayor of Kiev. Uh, he, he'll fight till the, till the death. Uh, for his country, for his freedom, for his uh, for his life, uh, frankly, and uh, Vladimir, one hundred percent. Vladimir, you know, was based in Germany for a long time. Then he had a place in Florida, which he went back and forth with. And like I said, he could live wherever he wanted to. But the last uh, three years, he pretty much committed to being there in in Ukraine, uh, supporting his. He's always supported his brother. There's no question about that. But now. Uh, actually taking up arms and defending the city, just like Zelensky said when uh, the president was offered, uh, uh, you know, safe passage to get out of the country. And he said, I don't need uh, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. And uh, they're all committed, you know, the Ukrainian fighting spirit. I think that's why they're they're all so disciplined and all so uh, successful. So many Ukrainian uh, boxers are so, uh, so successful in the ring just because they're fighting spirit and character. And and both Vladimir and Vitaly really uh, exemplify uh, that to the fullest uh, uh, degree. So even if they had a opportunity to go outside the country and, and try to support the effort uh, from outside, uh, you know, they're there to inspire their people. Uh, that's a huge reason why the president didn't leave. If, if the president left, if uh, the high profile uh, athletes like Vladimir Vitaly, if they left, then, then what would keep uh, the normal citizens there in the military uh, for fighting. And so they're, they're trying to inspire them to, uh, to hold off this uh, really unspeakable uh, force that uh, Putin has unleashed 
uh, on them. I just hope that uh, the weapons and the support from Europe and the USA, which frankly, really, uh, to be honest, came way too late. Vitaly, uh, Vitaly was giving interviews a month, two months before this all happened, saying, you know, we need your support. We need weapons. We need something to help us uh, to help us to prevent uh, Putin from coming in. And he, he saw the writing on the wall. And now that uh, Kiev really is uh, pretty much surrounded, now is when everyone is pretty much all the countries have come together with sanctions and, and sending weapons over there. And I just hope it's not it's not uh, it's not too late to actually get them uh, the support that they need. Now, you remain in contact with the brothers. Is it through texts or phone calls or have you have you spoken to them recently? And like, are they, are they they're prepared to lay down their lives for this cause? It's uh, the last text I remember. I don't want to get emotional, but um, the last text was on Thursday, last week, Thursday. And I was texting with Vladimir on a regular basis as uh, Putin was coming into the country. And when I say Putin, because the Russian people don't want this war. And I, I doubt the Russian military even want this war. Uh, you know, there's so many uh, relatives on each side. There's a lot of Ukrainians that live in, in Russia and a lot of Russians that live in Ukraine. And, and they're interrelated. They speak the same language, uh, very similar cultures. And, um, you know, I, I got to get I got to uh, guess that uh, the young boys in the Russian military are. uh, uh or young men, I should say. But, uh, you know, if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, 22 years old, you, still, you know, that's not really fighting age. Uh, to, and they, they must question why they're being sent in and, and even targeting residential buildings. And you see these videos with orphanages uh, getting hit and schools. And it, it's just uh, horrendous what's happening. And, and I really think that Putin should be held accountable to the fullest extent uh, as a war criminal uh, for what he's unleashed uh in that country just separating so many families and and uh killing, killing innocent uh, people uh it just uh, doesn't make any any sense at all yeah and like the the war has already shown a lot of casualties and just in terms of the hundreds of thousands nearing a million of people uh in terms of people displaced the yeah. civilian casualties are mounting uh military casualties on both sides and I suppose even as boxing fans, because the, the majority of people who's going, who are going to listen to this show would be boxing fans. And from even just a myopic, selfish point of view, people are worried about the champions that they, they love. Like the, I'd say among boxing connoisseurs these days, their favorite, the people's favorite current active boxers. I'm just hazarding a guess, but I know how I feel. And a lot of people who are like minded feel would say, you know, Lomachenko and Usyk are the, their two favorite boxers. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Klitschko's maintain a lot of love. And like, was it concerning to see did you read about um, Putin has a team of mercenaries in Kiev with a 23-man kill list and Vladimir and Vitaly, you know, are high up on that list. People are, you know, I suppose people are extremely worried about, you know, the, their heroes as well in this conflict. It's really, uh, when, when you think about how this whole thing was organized, uh, whether it's that uh, hit list where I'm sure uh, Vladimir and Vitaly were to President's supposed to be the, the number one person, and then I'm sure Vitaly is mayor of Kiev, and Vladimir is a high-profile figure there towards the top as well. And uh, it, you can't put anything uh, past Putin at this point when he's attacking with rockets into residential neighborhoods and uh, airplanes and tanks, and it just seems like they're outgunned. But that's you got to give uh, the Ukrainian uh, military and uh, – 
you know, their civil, the civil, uh, the civilians taking up arms. Uh, you got to give them credit uh, for for just being able to hold out as long as they have. I think Putin underestimated the desire and the will uh, of the Ukrainian people, and uh, I think they were projected to take Kiev within two or three days, and uh, it's really starting to drag out now. And you know, there's what 35 million people in the country of Ukraine, and and they all seem to be now. With this aggression, they're all 100 uh, percent against uh, Putin, which it seems like the majority of the world uh, is as well. So as long as they can hold out until uh, some of these weapons uh, get delivered uh, to them, then uh, uh, that that's really w- what they need. Did you notice that? Um, I think it was true, a social media post, but Povetkin, a former opponent knocked out by Vladimir, came out in support of his country's war. Did you did you see that? He came out to support the Russian uh, side. Um, Povetkin has always been close with Putin. Putin uh, supported him quite a bit. And that's why uh, when uh, Vladimir fought him, uh, there was already so much tension back then um, with the incursion into uh, eastern Ukraine. So um, that doesn't surprise me. It's uh, somewhat disappointing. But I think, uh, you know, those people, those type of people are, are really more forced uh, to do that, uh, to support it, to support the, the Russian effort. Because, um, you know, from what I understand, the ordinary, there's a lot of protests in Russia and to the point where people are getting arrested and they know they're going to go to jail for, I think it's like a 20 year sentence, something like that, if you protest against the state. And I, I believe it's over 7000 people now have been uh have been uh, arrested in Russia, and there's a lot of Russian people internationally that uh, are, are questioning why why is this happening? Why why is Putin uh, doing this? Because it really has united the the world against the country of Russia. Even the products uh, in the United States, uh, they're not selling any Russian vodka anymore. They took them all off the shelves. I heard uh, the, the soccer team, football team, and. Schalke, which is uh, sponsored by Gazprom, they took that sponsorship off. So it's really affecting the image. Uh, yeah, Gazprom, Russia, which... Gazprom were dropped as sponsors of UEFA as well, but um, okay. continue to be involved as the main kind of financial pipeline into the renamed IBA, formerly IEBA, the world governing body of uh, am- okay. amateur boxing. But we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, IEBA seems to have taken on a significantly Russian influence in the last couple of years. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Do you think boxing could take more sanctions against against Russians? I think it looks like there's not going to be any events held there that are that are sanctioned by the main four governing bodies. But I suppose it sounds to me like it'd be cruel to it'd be, it would be cruel to, uh, I guess, discipline or, you know, to go against Russian fighters who are based in the United States. I don't think that's going to be a step that's taken. Well, it was good to see the boxing is such a splintered sport. It's mm. good to see that the four presidents uh, of the biggest sanctioning bodies uh, did take that uh, unified action where they're not going to sanction any fights in Russia. Um, I don't know how it's going to affect uh, the individual boxers in terms of their ratings and things of that nature. But uh, that's the only way you can get through uh, is putting pressure on the people of Russia to, uh, you know, put pressure then on uh on Putin, I, I heard even uh, Switzerland, who you know is the most neutral country or tries to be at least, uh, 
has uh, frozen all the assets uh, in in Switzerland, which is a huge, you know, some of these uh, sanctions against the oligarchs and, um, you know, the steps that have been implemented, which, again, I I think uh, it's been way too late to see this happening. They should have taken these steps before Putin went in. And then if he didn't go in, then they could have uh, relaxed it. But uh, unfortunately, the majority of the world, including the U.S., unfortunately, uh, thought that uh, Putin wasn't going to go in and, and waited too long uh, to take these steps. But hopefully, like I said, it's not, uh, hopefully it's not too late. And that, uh, you know, I, I pray every day that uh, I don't see some catastrophe on the news, uh, you know, that uh, one of those, uh, one of our Ukrainian heroes and world champions, uh, that something happens to them. So, uh, it's not only the the world champion boxers, but so many uh, innocent civilians that are taking up the fight. That uh, it's a tough, tough situation to watch. Yeah, of course. But like our thoughts with the Ukrainian people, and uh, good for them that they have such inspirational leaders to to kind of hold firm against against the onslaught. Yeah, um, you'd stand behind the Klitschko brothers, that's for sure. They, yeah. they could lead you. They'd lead you into the gates of hell, and you go with them. It sure would. And like I said, they probably out of everyone, they they're. they're they would be the, the most likely to succeed in this type of a situation. Tom, thanks very much for your insights on, on this. We, we might uh, we might move on um, from speaking about such horrible, horrible things. Uh, you recently signed an Irish prospect called Callum Walsh from County Cork. A young, I think he's a six-foot southpaw, light middleweight. Uh, you think he's going all the way to the top, trained by Freddie Roach. Uh, he had a successful debut last December, knocked out a guy in the first round, and he fights again on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, we're really excited, uh, uh, Kevin. We're really excited about uh, uh, signing Callum. Uh, he is, uh, has a, a tremendous, uh, as, as you know, he, he's uh, had a great amateur career in Ireland. Um, I met him uh, through uh, Freddie Roach, who I've had a close relationship with Freddie. And uh, we agreed to put him as his pro debut uh, on our show in December. And it's the first time I've seen, <laughs> out of all the boxers I've worked with, the first time that I have seen that uh, people from Ireland actually flew over for his pro debut. And uh, I know the, the passion of the Irish uh, boxing fans, the Irish fight fans. We saw how uh, Ireland supported Conor McGregor to make him one of the most successful uh, fighters in UFC history. And um, just to see the complete package with Callum, but from his amateur experience to his offensive power, he has an exciting style. Uh, and then you couple his amateur experience with a tremendous trainer like Freddie Roach training at the wildcard gym. Um, you know, Freddie is, has that offensive style where, you know, he just wants exciting fights. And uh, it seems like he fits perfectly to what, Callum is looking to do, um, but so between his marketability and and his ability in the ring, we have very very high hopes for him. It's always hard to predict after one fight uh, where how far he's going to go, but uh, I, I really uh, believe in all my heart with all the guys that I've worked with, uh, uh, all the the world champion uh, boxers, that uh, I, I believe Callum really has uh, what it takes to become uh, a world champion. What's his personality like for people who aren't yet aware of him? You know, he's he's kind of a quiet guy when you first meet him, but on, on social media, he, he definitely uh, attracts a lot of attention on social media with his posts and uh, things of that nature. And and uh, Freddie says that, uh, you know, Freddie has had so many world champions that he I, I, I rarely 
hear him speak so highly, especially of someone that's that young and only has one professional fight. But uh, he's really excited, and so I, I take uh, Freddie's lead on that and and his word uh, in terms of you know his his training ethic, um, you know how hard he trains in the gym, his sparring. I've heard uh, I've seen him spar a few times now, but I, I heard just uh, some great reports as to how he holds uh, himself against world class scoring and then uh, like i said when when you can when you can bring uh when you can bring uh fans uh, across the pond for your pro debut that's a that's a huge sign you know, the, the irish fans were standing on the chairs they were singing and and for him to fight on saint patrick's day it's uh it's really uh a, a tremendous uh uh opportunity both for callum and for the show and for the Irish fans, frankly, I think there'll be a lot of green beer <laughs> that we're yeah. going to serve serve that night. We've seen Irish guys in the last couple of years move to California and end up kind of moving home and talk about afterwards, maybe a slight bout of homesickness. I think Michael Conlon and uh, Jason Quigley are two examples who come to mind. How do you think Callum's going to cope with that? He, maybe he's a bit younger than those guys were when they moved over. They'd maybe established their lives, their families, their setups. Maybe he's at a better age that he can assimilate but are there any plans in place to kind of make LA his home? Well, he, he definitely lives here. Yeah. Uh, he lives here in, in Los Angeles with his father, um, and uh, who's uh, who's from <laughs> who's from Cork, and then his stepmother lives out here. Uh, in and she's uh, uh, born and raised out here in California. So uh, this is really his home. Uh, although uh, you know he he grew up in in Cork, and he's pri- proud of his Irish uh, heritage. Uh, when I say his home, this is his residence. I guess that's the best place to put it. His home is Ireland, but uh, his residence is is Los Angeles. And uh, because his father is out here, um, I, I think that takes away a lot of the uh, homesickness and, and things of that nature. But you know, just like with Triple G, you know, he made the he left uh, Kazakhstan and and left his family and, and came to Big Bear and started training with Abel Sanchez. You know, those are the type of fighters who really make the commitment to their career. And the sacrifice to say, okay, I'm going to give this 100% and uh, see how it goes. There's never any guarantees in boxing, but uh, Triple G wouldn't have been as successful as he as he is had he not make those type of sacrifices. And I see the same thing with Callum, where um, you know he could be doing so many other things with his friends besides you know waking up early in the morning and going running or, or spending so many hours in the gym and uh he's making those sacrifices he has that commitment we uh recently uh flew up uh, to the ufc headquarters to meet dana white i don't know if you um, saw that video but that had a, a tremendous uh, reaction on on social media and uh, dana took a immediate liking to uh, callum he's only uh, he just turned 21 and um, I think the future for him is bright. So we're very excited about that. We'll be making some announcements here in the next few days, how the fans uh, in Ireland um, and overseas can uh, can watch his fight uh, live. Obviously, Callum is going to be, you know, focus on, focusing on boxing. So what's the thinking behind kind of getting him in to see Dana White? Well, it's just, uh, you know, he's he's friends with Tony Ferguson. Uh, Luke Rockhold came to his uh, pro debut, uh, so he does have uh, a lot of crossover with some of the UFC fighters. Uh, he's a big fan of the UFC, although he's never been to a UFC event, which Dana said we're gonna we're gonna change that here uh, pretty soon. Whenever uh, the UFC comes here to the West Coast again, whether it's California or Las Vegas, 
Um, but, um, you know, just kind of laying the groundwork for some cross marketing, uh, with the UFC. And, uh, I think it's always been uh, pretty effective. We did that with, uh, as I mentioned to you with, uh, with uh, triple G, he was, uh, close friends with, uh, Ronda Rousey. He supported her. She came to, uh, uh, Big Bear to train up there. And ever since then, they, they had a mutual respect mm. and a mutual support of each other. And uh, Callum actually trains and goes running uh, at times with Tony Ferguson. So um, when you have that kind of crossover, I think there's uh, a lot of uh, MMA or UFC fans uh, that will appreciate Callum's style uh, and tune in to watch him uh, to watch him fight, even though it's not a it's not an MMA match. Obviously, we've discussed his popularity, and you're seeing that he can. You're seeing he can move the needle and gain, you know, supporters coming across the Atlantic to watch him fight. But do you have certain attributes that you like to see in fighters you sign, like maybe someone who can punch, someone who can take a punch? I suppose looking at your most famous, I suppose current fighter would be Gennady Golovkin. Would that be fair to say? And do you see something in Callum Walsh? Can can he punch? Can he hurt? He, obviously, he knocked out a guy in his first in the first round of his debut. I've seen him knock out a guy in uh, in Ireland in the amateurs, which is rare enough. And you know the guy has gone on to have a successful career since. So I, I think he can punch. Well, what's your assessment? Uh, you hit that right on the head. Uh, that uh, the, the you know Triple G, his uh, Gennady Golovkin, his his rise to stardom. You know we we organized a lot of the promotion and st strategy for him outside the ring, but if he wasn't performing in the ring and didn't have that exciting knockout style, uh, then it, it wouldn't have uh, gone as quickly as it did or as as far as it did. So I'm um, I'm excited about uh, that type of style, which I think Callum really uh, embodies. Um, again, especially with uh, Freddie Roach, I think he's going to put on some. Tremendous fights with some tremendous uh, punching power, and that's that's what the fans want to see, especially here in Los Angeles, where you have a lot of Hispanic fans that are very educated, uh, that uh, want to see action. They don't like uh, fighters that kind of run around the ring or defensive fighters or you know uh, kind of boring fights. They like to see action, and that's why the Mexican fans embraced uh, Triple G uh, as much as they did. And and I think we're going to see a very similar uh, style from. Callum now whether he can take a punch that's a whole nother story I think the punching power is there you know the only way you can see that Triple G I think uh has one of the best chins that I've ever seen in in, in boxing I've never even seen him wobble whether it's been in sparring or in a fight and uh the same thing with Vitaly Klitschko if you remember that famous uh Lennox Lewis uppercut that pretty much lifted him off of his feet and then Vitaly just took a step back and then started keep, kept coming forward. And I think that mentally broke Lennox. If the referee didn't stop the fight, I think the next round Vitaly would have won that fight. But, um, you know, getting back to Callum, there's only way one way to uh, to find out about that. And, you know, we'll have to see how he does as his competition uh, gets mm -hmm. better. But uh, Freddie's on track and his father, uh, Ian Buckley, who's his manager, is on track that um, – that we want to move him, you know, fairly quickly. You don't want to overmatch uh, a young fighter like that, but also uh, Callum's at the point where he doesn't need to be babied. And uh, each fight, you'll see a progression uh, in competition, and and that's that's how we're going to find out how good his chin is. Do you have any plans to uh, stage some fights of his on the East Coast? I guess some some of the Irish guys who fought on the West Coast. <laughs> you know, you're always kind of going like, get him in Boston, get him in Chicago or New York. You know, any plans for Callum that way? 
Yeah. In fact, uh, that's one of the things I spoke to Dana White about is, uh, uh, first thing he said is get him to Boston. So, uh, that's definitely, uh, in the plans. Um, uh, he'll fight a couple times here in LA just so that he's, you know, comfortable in the ring and he's local and he doesn't have to travel, uh, to a fight. But that was one of the, uh, uh successful strategies with triple g was he fought in la he fought in new york he fought in at the o2 he sold out the o2 against kel brook he fought in monaco he fought pretty much everywhere he fought in his home country of kazakhstan he fought in ukraine so um the klitschko's also fought all over the world and, and i really see that same pattern with uh, callum where we're going to build a strong following here in los angeles where he resides but uh, definitely uh, going to the Irish hotspots of Boston, Madison Square Garden. I have a, a great relationship with them. They're already excited for Callum to come out there. There's naturally a, a, a big Irish community in New York City. And, um, and then uh, on the uh, horizon, maybe next year, we want to bring him for a homecoming back to Cork. Uh, and I think the uh, reception there, once he's established himself as a uh experienced professional fighter maybe by the time he has eight fights or ten fights we want to bring him as a homecoming uh to the irish fans where they can really embrace him uh as a professional coming back home yeah you can get golovkin on his undercar for that one maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um five years ago this month andy lee one of ireland's best fighters in recent years retired um well he didn't retire then he, it took him a while to retire but he had his final fight he bound out better with a win against uh keandre letterwood on a, at madison square garden you actually promoted that event yeah. and um you'd have a good relationship with andy lee i remember he nearly stepped in to fight triple g that's right. um, but the fight didn't take place because uh, Golovkin's father passed away sadly at yeah. the time and he wasn't in the headspace to fight. He, I think he went back home. But yeah, like uh, so Andy and Golovkin, they nearly got it on at the time. And uh, yeah, it would have been a good fight, I think. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for Andy. Yeah, it's another one, another Irish fighter that had a, a tremendous knockout power. The, the, the way he got the leverage on his punches was very impressive. I met Andy actually through Emmanuel Stewart. When Emmanuel was training Vladimir, uh, and Jonathan Banks was in camp, um, but uh, I met Andy through Emmanuel, and uh, I mean Andy actually sparred some rounds with Vladimir. Naturally, not uh, hard, uh, mm. uh, hardcore sparring, but you know, for speed and movement and throwing punches at different angles, uh, Andy was very effective at that, and. Uh, um, so he was, he, they, they worked very well together and, and, and Emmanuel always was, uh, very, very high on, uh, on, uh, Andy. So, you know, we have a lot of respect for him. And as you said, uh, that fight was going to happen in New York at Madison square garden, uh, which I think would have been a tremendous event. Uh, unfortunately with the sudden passing of, uh, triple G's father, where we all flew back to Kazakhstan, he was luckily, Gennady was luckily in the country, uh, at the time. Uh, not that, you know, you're lucky at any time when you're, when you're, one of your parents passes away so suddenly, but instead of having to fly over there, he was there, he was able to rush over to the house. Uh, it was a massive heart attack. So unfortunately his father didn't, didn't, uh, wasn't able to, uh, survive that, but, uh, he was there. And then I had flown over with Abel and his managers at the time, we all flew over to support him and his family during that uh, time of, uh, 
talking with Soro, but um, yeah, that was uh, Andy. That that fight would have been a great fight, a great promotion with Andy Lee. And then uh, we actually had Andy on the, uh, I believe it was the Danny Jacobs undercard. Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we always had some type of suspicion that, uh, not suspicion, but uh, if if for some reason Danny had gotten injured or didn't uh, didn't uh, uh, something happened before uh, before the fight that uh, Andy would be on the show and then he could step in uh, as a main event uh, fight in Madison Square Garden and that's how how Andy had had uh, come to be on the undercard and that's right it was uh, against uh, Leatherwood where uh, he won that fight and then uh, I guess from from uh, what you were saying that was his last fight but yeah, uh, big respect to uh, to Andy Lee. Regards uh, Triple G, and I won't keep you too much longer, Tom. I really appreciate your time today. Regards Triple G, like what, what's next for him? Is he going to fight Murata in Japan? That fight's been talked about now, I think, for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but and there's also talk to Canelo's going to, or maybe it's already happened. Uh, sometimes I don't keep abreast of the boxing news as much as I should. But uh, there's talk that he's going to maybe finally get the tri- uh, the trilogy fight with Canelo later this year if Canelo beats Bivol. Or Dimitri Bivol, um, if that fight ever takes place, who knows? So, what, what do you think is next for Golovkin, and how much desire has he got to, to keep fighting at this age? You know, Gennady will be forty in April, uh, but uh, the the type of shape that I see him stay in physically and and mentally, frankly, um, and the desire the desire to continue to box, uh, I, I do believe that Murata fight will happen. Um, I think we'll see some type of an official announcement here in the near future, but uh, it looks like that fight should happen uh, in Japan. And then, uh, and then, um, you know, after that, I always said that uh, Canelo will fight Triple G again when he thinks it's safe to get in the ring with them. So with with uh, Gennady turning 40 in April, I think Canelo feels like it's going to be safe to get in the ring. So I wouldn't be surprised if that fight happened uh, uh, this year. There's speculation it's going to be in September. So um, uh, I could see uh, both fights happening for Gennady. I think uh, Canelo, I, I, have, uh, I think uh, Bivol's a great fighter. I just think Canelo has too much for him at this point with his speed, with his movement. Uh, Bivol has never seen anyone uh, like that. Um, and then uh, if the third fight happens with uh, Triple G, I mean, Triple G's got to go to, uh, if that Murata fight happens in Japan, that's not easy. Um you know, flying to a different country, you're dealing with the time change, you're dealing with different uh, food, uh, you know, just everything is uh, is totally different out of your comfort zone. Mm. So that's not uh, that's not an easy fight. But uh, if he's successful, then I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a third uh, a Canelo fight. All these uh, all these fight conversations are exciting, like the idea of going to Japan, the idea of getting the third fight against Canelo. But it just must be tough to focus on them at the at the minute as well because you, you want to have like ideally you've got to fight in Japan and you have the Klitschko brothers there as guests of honor and everything you know yeah. everything is going well but so it must be difficult to kind of concentrate on business at the minute. Yeah, it really is. Just like uh, we were talking about uh, signing Callum Ox. Normally that would be a huge a huge thing that we'd be celebrating and and um, you know I'd I'd be in a great mood with that. But uh, with everything that's going on in Ukraine, it's like everything is like totally uh, downplayed uh, mm-hmm. in in my world because it's hard to really celebrate until I know that uh, both the Klitschkos and all the friends I have lots of friends that I've met through. I've been over there probably 10, 12 times to Ukraine 
over the years and uh, met many friends through uh, both Vladimir and Vitaly. And, um, you know, we would see it would be like a whole gathering of uh, their Ukrainian friends coming to, to their fights, whether it was in Germany or, or over here in the United States. And so uh, every time you see the same people, then you get to be friendly with them. And, um, you know, getting back to the question, it's just uh, it's hard to to really focus on something uh, uh, positive when uh, when their lives are in danger over there. And, and uh, hopefully they come through. They make this through uh, this challenge with Putin and uh, Ukraine remains a free democratic country. And then we can all be together safely at some point in the future. But until that time, it's uh, I know it's uh, it's it's going to be a lot of uh, uh, sleepless nights because with the time difference over here, that's when everything starts uh, over there with the with the with what happened after night and the morning hours and those type of things. So it's uh, it's challenging uh, as we go through it. But, you know, life, we have to continue to do things over here. And like I said, it's my responsibility now with, uh, with Callum and the St. Patrick's Day show and everything else going on with Triple G. He's in training camp. So, um, you know, you really just got to keep going forward. And that's always going to be in the back of your mind. Yeah. Before I let you go, Tom, we spoke about Madison Square Garden and filling it out. Uh, April 30th, uh, Katie Taylor is going to headline there against Amanda, Serrano, Amanda Serrano. I've noted you've kind of sent Katie some supportive tweets in the past. Um, what are your thoughts on the fight? Well, I think Katie is a tremendous fighter. I think she has a lot of, uh, she's very marketable. She's got an exciting style. A uh, huge fan base. Uh, it's a big statement. I've been always a big supporter of uh, women's boxing, and that's why, um, you know, if, uh, you know, if I can uh, support them uh, on social media or however, I'm always happy to do that. Uh, I work with uh, Cecilia Brekus, who we broke the record with on HBO, the first time in 45 years to have a female uh, boxer on the broadcast. She was on the uh, undercard with Triple G and Bonus Martirosian, and then she actually headlined the last HBO show, uh, which was a huge statement for uh, for female boxing. So it's great to see um, uh, Katie and Amanda uh, headlining Madison Square Garden. It looks like it's going to be a full arena. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Irish fans coming over uh, to support Katie, and, and I support that event uh, 100%. I think that uh, is a huge statement for uh, for female boxing. And uh, Katie is really at the top level uh, uh, of the sport. Have you considered leaning on Eddie Hearn? I know you work with him a little bit with Triple G. Have you considered leaning on him to get Callum a spot on that card? <laughs> Every Irish boxer in the world wants on it. Yeah, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, uh, there's actually a local uh, fighter that I work with. Uh, Brian Sabaya was Puerto Rican, who's local in New York, sells a lot of tickets. Uh, he's been on a couple of the uh, Triple G shows in New York. Uh, sold the most tickets out of any undercard uh, uh, boxer out there. Very popular in New York, but uh, uh, every indication that I've gotten from Eddie and from Frank that uh, the you know they have so many fighters, they're obligated to put on the show that the that is pretty full. But uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I support, like I said, I support other uh, promotions, other shows, and that that's one that I really look forward to uh, uh, to seeing, especially the relationship that we have with uh, with the arena at Madison Square Garden. Okay. Um, well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with uh, the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He said about the Klitschko's, he said, you were my heroes in the ring and you're my heroes now. So uh, hope they keep fighting the good fight over there. Arnold, 
Arnold has been a big supporter, uh, a close friend of both of theirs and, and a big supporter. And ironically, so my office is here in Gold's Gym in Venice. And uh, Arnold uh, still comes and, and trains at Gold's. And Vitaly has been here many a times. Vitaly used to live here and had a house here in Los Angeles and, and would come here all the time to train at Gold's. So, um, yeah, there's a strong connection between uh, Arnold and, uh, and both Vladimir and Vitaly. Okay, well, look, Tom Loeffler, uh, promoter of... Uh, he runs 360 promotions and recently signed Callum Walsh and has worked with great boxers in uh, all the greatest boxers in history almost at this stage. Thank you for joining us today on the Rocky Great. Road and uh, appreciate it. I'll speak to you again soon. Good to speak with you, Callum. Take care. Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 